0: Hello, and welcome to Living Strong, the flip
1: side of adversity. I am Dr. Virdra Jackson, the CEO and creative behind Living Strong Consulting. And we are celebrating our theme for the month of October of knowing your worth and actually walking in it. And so we have a very unique uh, guest for this particular episode when we are talking about removing the mask. Monique A.J. Smith is a veteran athletics administrator with over 30 years of experience. She launched her consulting business, Seeds of Empowerment, full-time in March of 2013. But she's been conducting workshops for youth and women and educational and corporate organizations as well as senior citizens since 2005. The BOSS Network has listed Seeds of Empowerment as one of 50 businesses to watch. For more than 22 years, she has provided consultation on Title IX NCAA compliance and rules, as well as served on several NCAA committees. Monique also hosts the nationally recognized weekly podcast, A Chat in the Garden with Monique A.J. Smith, where women in higher ed, specifically athletic administration, are spotlighted. For two years, she served as consultant to the NCAA Leadership Development Department by conducting campus and conference workshops for student athletes and athletic administrators. Those topics included the DISC assessment, step-up bystander intervention, networking, and emotional intelligence. She's conducted staff retreats that have ranged from half-day DISC assessments to full-day retreats on how to rejuvenate your staff and how to reach and repeat success. As an accomplished sports management professional, Monique A.J. Smith has also experienced 13-year tenure as an athletic conference executive for the historic Central Intercollegiate Athletic Association, the CIAA. Now in a such a male dominated um, field, <laughs> I was excited to have this flip side conversation with Monique because I feel like we have an opportunity to encourage and inspire those who desire to shatter that glass ceiling in order to fully walk in roles that are usually can often be looked at um, from another gender's perspective. So Monique, AJ Smith, Welcome to the Flip Side of Adversity conversation. Thank you for having me, Dr. Jackson. I am looking forward to um, digging into your expertise as well as your inspiration. And when I think about the field that you're in, especially um, having several athletes in my own <laughs> in my own family, both of my daughters were Division One basketball players. So I'm curious, when people talk about shattering that glass ceiling, um, how do you feel? that's important for the career path you've had?
0: Hmm.
2: Well, when you're on a career path, you're not really thinking about, I need to shatter a glass ceiling. Mm -hmm. You know, you're just trying to get to the next and the next and the next. And, um, you know, if you enjoy it, you know, you just see something that for me to overcome. And the one thing that I try to work on with my clients, my students, um, is the building the confidence. Yes. And you really cannot build a confidence by thinking about it. You've got to do the work. And that's what's going to save you. Because it's it's really, it's like, uh, you know, if you were a Bible scholar, mm-hmm. you know, David knew he could conquer Goliath because he already dealt with a bear, dealt with a lion, so that built his confidence for that time, Prepare them for that time. And you can step up to it because you've had some good practice.
1: Well, mm-hmm. I love that. And thinking about how what, the nugget that you've already given us, if we're constantly focusing on the ceiling, mm-hmm. then we lose sight of the fact that we need to just take the next step. And everything that we've already been through has prepared us for the moment that we're in right now. So stop actually not focusing so much on the barrier, but how you're actually prepared for moving forward past whatever might get in your way. Mm -hmm. This is so true. So can you tell us what role does self-worth for Mm you play in not only your role, but what you try to inspire and encourage your clients and
2: students with? Well, what I try to do, I do an activity called my compass. And what I really want to know is who is really guiding your decisions. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have confidence in your own thought process, you're going to yield to what you think others think you should be doing. But when you know your own self, when you know this is what is yours to do, you're not looking for a box to check from somebody else. You check your own box, and um, by being in sports so early, I'm 54, and I started out in the eighth grade keeping scores. Um, Intern my sophomore year in the CIAA, there's myself and three guys. Uh, they would make comments like, "Who you think you are, How of Sale?" And I was like, mm, that's the best you can come up with, you know. <laughs> and, and, and I was doing the work and they weren't. They were playing Nerf ball. And, and our internship was selecting the players of the week and the coach of the week. Every Sunday, we'll go into the office that's what we'll do. And so I knew that I knew how to do this because I've been doing it since day grade. You know, calculating statistics, analyzing games. And so I, when you know, you know. Now, fast forward, this is my sophomore year, fast forward to graduation time. A week before I graduated, my father said to me, he was concerned. He said, because I majored in communications. And my main thing was PR. Uh-huh. And I interned in BET in promotions. I interned with a local television station in promotions. I worked in sports information as a student my junior, my senior year. And my father says to me, what are you going to do with this fluff major? And it's a week before graduation. And I knew in my gut, if I could do all the things I was doing as a student and the people who were trying to get their foot in the door, I, I didn't even tell you, I worked in the Pentagon. I worked at the Pentagon the same time I was doing BET, didn't get paid at B-E-T. we got paid for the Pentagon. No one else had ever been able to just split their time to do that. Mm-hmm. So I just knew I had the skill set to do exactly my creative soul could do. I mean, I've been a leader since, oh, if you came to my house to play as a girl, I knew exactly what we were going to play this board game and this board game. And we won this board game it was going to go first and this board game. It was quite structured. It was still fun for me. It might have been fun for everybody else, but it was very structured and so planful, uh, teaching moments. And so I've always had my where I wanted to go and a systematic way how I was going to do that. And if you're going to tell your father, I mean, I know what it is. It was fear in his spot, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Now, I said I wasn't gonna teach. You wanted me to go teach. And it's mighty funny because now I'm teaching now. But I'm teaching on the college side and teaching my 30 years experience. Yeah. I've got to be able to be creative. Mm-hmm. And me knowing me, that's why I do the activity compass. You gotta know yourself. And when you decide that you're gonna guide your decisions, it's like coaching. Either you're gonna coach your way or somebody else's way. And when you coach your way and you still have enough points to say you won the game, you will still feel okay because you know you left everything on the court.
1: Recognizing which voice are you going to listen to when it's time to make decisions, and do you actually know yourself in order to trust your own voice? And it tickled me to listen to you having at this age, being able to look back to your younger years and recognizing it leadership, the ability to guide and influence others, um, the ability to create structure. It was all in you at eight. I think of how many people struggle to recognize that they can trust their own voice and therefore they're constantly looking for someone else to affirm before they step out and begin to do the challenging thing or the thing that there aren't a lot of other people who look like them um, who are actually doing it. And so there's that pause or that hesitation. You are one of those people who has stepped out into a field where there aren't many who look like you or who have had the experiences you've, you have. So how did you actually get into athletic administration?
2: Well, as I mentioned, I kept scores in the eighth grade Mm -hmm. and, um, and I, I like to plan events. I was SGA president and my English teacher said, you should major in PR. And I was like, what's that? She said, what you do? You know, like my events as SGA president, I remember we had uh, Veterans Day and it was most boring assembly every year, November, I think it's 17th or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I decided I was gonna call the local um, army installation and have them show the different army uniforms for the different and I mean, almost everything, I would just solve a problem, okay? Mm-hmm. So that's how I knew promotions was my thing. But when I interned with the CIAA, because the sign said PR intern. But I knew I could do it because I've been keeping scores since eighth grade. So those two things just came into play. And the other thing that we had as a problem in high school was school spirit. So you use sports to build a school spirit. And so it all continues to grow. And one of the things that I learned um, by watching sports as a fan, I had two neighbors and uh, they're brothers and they play sports. And I didn't want to be home by myself. So I always followed and analyzed them. So human interest stories was how I picked my teams. They were watching Super Bowl and I would see human interest stories. And I, whatever the connection was to the person that's the team that I stuck with. And so I learned that telling the story and narrative, the human interest story is how you get people to get on your team. So as a writer, uh, as a reader, those are the things I, I put that into sports. And so I can write a sports story. And that is how I got known as, oh yeah, she can do that, oh, she know how to do this. And I was the only female, we had a TV station at Hampton University and I was only person writing um, the sports stories and it's interesting because a a big time recruit we got was a boy I grew up with on the school bus. He had changed schools and I was like oh my gosh, I know all about him so I just (laughs) 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 write that all up and uh, so as a sports information person, you're promoting your team. You're promoting the individuals. You're promoting the coach. You come up with slogans. Slogans come to me really easy. Really easy. And so that has been my thing, how to promote things, how to tell a story, PR, create an event to get you excited about it. So I came from a a standpoint of leadership, uh, galvanizing groups, and I found my niche because when I was in sports formation, that's what they did. And I wasn't afraid of keeping stats because back then there were no computerized stats. There were four people. Two people doing offense, two people doing defense. Um, I would do the football game, I would do the tackles, who did the tackles? Um, and then um, so it came to me easily. And then then administration, I believe sports formation is like administration. That's how I was trained. That we we are not coaches, we are part of the administration. And uh unfortunately. My first boss, who was Jeanette A. Lee, she was the first female athletic director in the CIAA, she became ill after one year working with me. So my first job was at St. Paul's College in Lawrenceville, Virginia. A member of the CIAA just like Hampton back then. And so I watched her be an administrator, a minister within athletics and higher ed. And when I tell you homecoming, all the students went to come back and see her. She helped the, her student athletes, yeah. regular students, how she took care of them. It's more than what the winning and losing is, how to make you a better productive citizen, you know, helping you through the highs and the lows and helping you make good decisions. And I watched that and I remained at St. Paul's College for eight years. But I will say, after her passing, I went through five different athletic directors. So I just said, I need to get my master's because I have a PR background, but compliance was something that was coming around the corner. I wanted to have an understanding of how the rules were really coming fast. Mm -hmm. And uh, so at 28, I became the athletic director at St. Paul's College. So a lot of things are under fire. A lot of things about default, you know, uh, one of the things, the fax machine was in my office. I saw we had an NCA violation. I saw how we reported it wrong. I said, if we had said this and we had said that, we would have been able to be clear to this. And somehow or another, the president got a wimp that. He was like, go ahead and take your hand at it. And I did. And we got out of it. So when you become the answer to a problem, you will be the one that they come to. People gravitate to people get things done. They don't gravitate to titles. So that's how I got into athletic administration. And you know what? You pulled that entire um,
1: journey into a nice neat bow for me because you started it off by saying you were the person who was willing to recognize what is the problem and I can find a better solution. And you pulled it all, all back together right as you neatly closed that chapter for us. And I think about people who are listening now who are hiding behind what they are afraid of or hiding behind a mask instead of putting it down and stepping out because they're questioning whether or not what they want to do is worthy. But when I think about what you just said, if you are the person who is solving problems and then you added being the person who is actually seeing the value in others and adding value to them, whether you are an athletic administrator or you are an entrepreneur or you're a principal or you're a boss of an office, if you are the problem solver, you are the creative, you are seeing people and your desire is to add value to them, to tell their story, to get to know them, you're gonna be the rock star in whatever platform you're in. I love it. I love it. I love each one of those nuggets because I feel like it's all transferable, but I I know that you shared in preparation for this conversation, a little bit about your story. And there was a turning point for you. I think an accident that happened that really made some shifts and some changes for you and your career, as well as some decisions you made. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Well, by being a first, there's pressures that you put on yourself. And you kind of know, if I don't do this well they're not going to accept another woman in this position. And um, I put some undue pressure on myself. And uh, especially accepting the position as a woman athletic director, one of the first. And this was 1996. So it was very few of us. And um, let's just be honest. Um, Sometimes everybody can't take the journey with you because their experiences are different. And uh, the domestic part of being in a marriage Mm -hmm. is not something um, that I actually learned to be crucial. Like, for instance, my mother, when, when my mother was cooking, she said, go sit down and read a book. You know, I didn't have chores growing up. You know, we were always on the go. And so Saturdays where everybody else had to clean up and do certain things. I was in the store, I was traveling, you know, I was going to dance lessons, piano lessons, SGA, you know, those kind of things. And so, uh, being that, you know, washing clothes, ironing, you know, for another human being, those kind of things were something I just was, I tried, but it wasn't me. And I just, it just came to the conclusion that, uh, you know, when you don't meet People find have a void. They gonna get it. They gonna get it filled. Mm-hmm. So just to be yes. clear. My husband, my first husband, was having an affair, and uh, I tried to put on the face like everything was okay, and it was horrible. And uh, so I said um, to say face, I will say I'm leaving and um, going to Division One, going to uplevel my career. And I want to say it was a lie because it was true. That's what I did but the pressure of that. So then I get a divorce, I leave the position, uh, but I can tell that I'm not really dealing with it. And so then when I go again to the CIA, the commissioner says, come on back home, he gives me enough money to be able to stand on my own now. I'm not scraping and trying to figure out what was me, why did I do this? But I'm so appreciative of him that I don't speak my truth that I can't handle all of this. And mm. so I had two car accidents in six months. Wow. And the second one, I wish I had died than faced my boss. Mm. So I, I wrecked the company car. Wow. And, um, and I said, something's not right. And wow. I went to therapy. And therapy, after I went to therapy, my career just went straight up. Wow. So we
1: only have a minute before it's time for our Um, break. But I want that to sit with someone who is putting too much pressure on themselves. And if I'm hearing, kind of reading between the lines, when we put pressure on ourselves, when we are hiding behind the mask and not being willing to be honest and say our truth, It will disrupt our mind and our ability to focus, and accidents will happen. We will be right back. (laughs) Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America.
3: What if the most special part about you was not how you fit in, but how you stood out in a world that has never seen your kind of beauty? What if you could walk confidently in your God-given beauty, identity, and purpose? My name is Sandra Coates, and I am the founder and visionary of a movement called United and True. We want every woman to know that she is being transformed, she has been redeemed, and she is unique. I'm also an author of a newly released book called None Like Her. It is about awakening the beauty and the value that is within every woman. You see, it's time that we rise up through the confusion and the chaos and the comparison and the shame to know that there is nothing more we need to do to access the beauty that is within us. Please visit sandracoats.com for more information.
1: It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
0: This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Verdra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call into 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. You may also send an email to info at infolivingstrongllc.com. Now, back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity.
1: We have been having an open, honest conversation with Monique A.J. Smith. And Monique, before we jump back into our conversation, we talked about the fact that it is Hampton University's um, homecoming. And I've already gotten a message from um, Judge Mark Moore, who is your alum. He is in the chat and he says hello. He is wishing you well. So, um, your 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 fam is is listening and staying connected. So you just laid down such a powerful truth. And Crystal Mance, also one of our listeners, um, placed into the comments that the things you're sharing are life transferable nuggets, regardless of your role. And when we understand that regardless of what you are doing, if you want to go to the next level and get rid of the mask that you are hiding behind, that's actually blocking you from walking out what your next assignment is, you're going to have to be willing to lift undue weight off of your shoulders and get Honest about what you are managing and navigating in your subconscious and you said something you said a quotable a tweetable quote during our break that I want you to share again
2: I said you really do need to unmask that because your unconscious mind has more control over your actions than your conscious mind and that's what I found out from therapy and um it's, it's ironic because I had actually seen myself having an accident before I had the accident. And I was like, okay, that's a little scary. So that's when I knew I need to have a therapist. I said, I need, there's something going on that I don't know. And I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't know if you read have ever read this book, Addicted. No, I haven't. Okay. So again, this is like in the first 2000s. It's by um, Zane. And it's an erotic uh, romance. Okay, But in the story, the girl finds out why she is like she is. Uh Because she goes to a therapist and she gives her hypnotics. And she finds out something that happened in her youth. Mm -hmm. So I'm reading this book. And I'm going like, okay, maybe I need to go to a therapist. That's how I figured out I might go to a therapist. I said there's something underneath that's in my brain that's having me do these things and I don't know it. It's like I'm sleepwalking and I don't know. And um and I and I did and she kind of what she said to me was you need to be around other women like you. Mm-hmm. And at the time, there weren't any women at my level. There were women that were coming up the ranks, but they were watching me to see how I get to the next level. And that pressure was so hard that I just, did, I, you know, I didn't let my guard down. Yeah. So I decided to create uh, a retreat for the women that were under me at the different schools because I I can see some of them going through something similar and most of the time the retreats were, okay, how does what's the best way to fold a towel? There isn't one. Stop beating yourself up about that, okay? Stop beating yourself up that your house is not clean. Hire somebody to clean your house, okay? You know, your children. Who says, can't you hire somebody to pick your child up? Why must it be you? You know what I'm saying? Or, you know, we're in high ed. It could be a young person that you put under you. Spend your time trying to manage the problem instead of being in the problem. You know, people have elderly parents. You don't have to be the one to fix the food. Shoot, now you got the what, Uber Eats? You <laughs> plan out which one you're going to, you plan at that bad boy, bang, 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 okay? That's what I'm saying. If you're a leader, lead.
1: Lead not only in office situations, organizations. First, we have to be willing to lead ourselves first well before we can actually even show up as effective leaders in other situations and other organizations and scenarios. And when I think about your statement of beating yourself up and recognizing, pausing to be willing to really unpack why you're doing it and what that is about. I was at a um, conference last weekend and I asked the women, when you're seeing patterns of behavior that are interrupting your ability to actually move forward or they are affecting your worldview of your value and your place, and even the God that you serve, you have to pause and ask yourself, why do I think that? And why do I do it? And then either seek professional support or actually spend time unpacking it. Because I, I 100% agree. Our unconscious is literally in the driver's seat so often, and we don't even recognize it. And you actually wrote about, you wrote a piece called Public Figure Mask, Exit Stage Left. And what you just said, I feel like many leaders struggle with. There, you want to find people who you are similar to, but you can't. So you stay this leader, but you put a facade on and you never have the opportunity to process who you are. And you stay, you keep this mask and then you fall. Can you tell us a little bit about um that the, the piece that you wrote entitled Public Figure Mask Exit Stage Left?
2: Well, I cover what I just shared with you about the scenario that the two accidents. But what I actually do is give the tools of how I got back in a situation of uh, being able to lead in all facets of my life. And so uh, with that, and again, those retreats Mm -hmm. was for me, but they all thought it was for them. And, and And I can say, I'm just so proud of those women. Many of them sat in the athletic director position themselves and so being able to be vulnerable and to be able to share but mind you they still didn't know it was me because i would hire a facilitator and i would say we need to talk about this i keep seeing this and then i began to have my own workshops like this workshop would be in the summer for them but then i said i need to know all the women that are you know in athletics and so i began to i did one like walk in her shoes Mm-hmm. And I was like, so that's when my thing about building workshops based on problems that I would see, and I would create a workshop for it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's what I mean about my career soaring, because when I saw something that helped me, it allowed me to help the other women to be able to do that. And so one of the tools that I use is called the four agreements, and I create an assessment that I'd be able to figure out which one of the four agreements you need to concentrate on. And that, that's what I use in my executive coaching. And, and then it helps me figure out, okay, because honestly, there's been some individuals that I work with and high achievers. If you are a um, good student when you were in school, you wait for your grade. But when you're no longer in school, you're looking for your grade. And that's approval addiction. And we don't know it. Mm-hmm. And so I would say, you really doing this, you need to be doing this, but you're doing this because you that makes you feel good and you want approval. Mm-hmm. But you need to go, that's why my thing is called Chat in the Garden, because I want you to know you got to grow.
1: Yes. I want, I want to talk about that as well. But before we talk about Chat in the Garden, can you tell us a little bit more about Seed of Empowerment and what makes your coaching style, you've shared the two two specific forms of assessment that you use to really get an understanding of what the needs are, continuing the same pattern of your story, find out what the need is so that you can address it. Um, But tell us a little bit more about Seed of Empowerment. How is it different? And what are you noticing as you are supporting and helping other leaders and administrators?
2: Well, because I'm a I'm a promoter by DNA. Um I somehow or another show people a different perspective, possibilities. And so almost everyone will say, oh I didn't see it that way. Oh that's a new way of looking at it. Oh he changed my perspective. And so I plant seeds. You see, I don't, I don't tell you what to do. I plant the seed. It's just like, and I believe this, seeds are read. So if I can give you a book, you take ownership because you read it. I didn't tell you. You read it, and it becomes your knowledge. So by either me giving you a book or telling you a story about something, a narrative about something, I plant the seed that will lead you to greatness. I'm hoping the seed will take root with you Mm -hmm. and lead you to your desired destination. That
1: seed concept, oftentimes people just want the answer, but you're actually allowing them to own their own answer by, by simply shifting the perspective that they're looking at the situation, the scenario, or even the problem. And I would think on the other side of owning me, I created the solution that that would naturally lead to elevated spaces and open doors and greater opportunities.
2: Is that something you're seeing with your clients? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, People come to me because they want to advance in athletic administration. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I can't help you advance unless I can get you over the better to get better. And that is definitely, your advancement has a lot to do with how you deal with no's, how you deal with disappointment. So I do mindset work first before I get to skill level. Mm-hmm. And so skill level could be, I mean, you'd be surprised. Many people come from coach to administrator. Even if he took sports management courses, you still may not know what difference between a profit and revenue. You know, and how to get your point across to someone who's a vice president of Blank, but, but you are a creative person. So you gotta be able to figure out how to tell that story to them to get what you need, how to navigate things. So I use just like Stacey Abrams, she has a book called Leading from the Outside. Many of the women are leading from the outside, so I use that to be able to get them to see that. So I have an advanced academy, and so that's how we, we we again we we celebrate. I mean, celebrate almost every day the advancement of Black women athletic administration because you can see it, then you know you can be it. Mm-hmm. The
1: thing that stood out for me in what you just said. And, and it's subtle, but for me, I think it's something as a consultant of principals, administrators, of organizations, of other entrepreneurs and school leaders, there's a difference between um, recognizing that just because you were in one role and you were good at that role that you can naturally lead others in the same role. And recognizing that there will be new skill sets that you need to cultivate in order to lead people, just because you were gifted in it does not mean you will be able to lead people. And I think the examples that you gave were of leadership And not managing people. Because sometimes we are in a great position, we're really good at it, and we move out of that position with an opportunity to be in charge. And then we shift to managing people and find ourselves unable to advance, unable to succeed, and unable to have people continue to follow us. So you're absolutely setting the example for how we cultivate in the garden, cultivate other leaders. So what are you chatting about in the garden? Tell us about that.
2: Well, I'm sharing the career path of Black Women Athletic Administration. It's been nine years. Every week I interview, and uh, it's been a real great blessing because many people want to ask me, I have a question. I said, listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. You'll get your answers from those individuals you follow me and so uh, that's where I do that's the part of getting people into. So we have a private Facebook group we've grown to 2600 and that's where we get the encouragement to know the empowerment hey I can do this because someone's one of my one of my young ladies just became director of athletics for family and I've known her since she was a volleyball student. Yes. Wow. I can't believe how
1: fast this conversation um, has uh, gone by. We're, we're already at um, only about seven minutes or so before the end. And I want to ask you to think about um, that female leader who doesn't see others around her who look like her, but she aspires to be able to advance, but she's tired and she's getting ready to quit. What advice would you give a a fellow leader who is struggling to stay in the fight to move forward?
2: Find a community. Mm -hmm. Find a community of like-minded individuals. Um, You know, and again, the garden means growth and growth is going to be uncomfortable. So even me becoming from an educator to an entrepreneur, I had to get into a community in order to grow because I didn't know what I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And so you don't know what you don't know. So when you listen to the career path of other women, oh, she went through that. Oh, I got to do that. Oh, okay. And so then you get into the community and then you engage and ask questions and you hear other, what other people say, get into a community. And so again, a chat in the garden with Monique a. J. Smith. Uh, my book also will help you if you feel like you're just on an island by yourself. I hear that often and I try to, if I can't be the answer, I said, do you know so-and-so? This is somebody you should know and that, that may help you. Mm-hmm
1: making those connections there's a there's a lot of healing that can happen in community and oftentimes when we are struggling the most that's often when we isolate the most as well and so you're you're encouraging us to come out of hiding and absolutely find those who can pour back into us and continue to push us forward So I have a challenging question for you. If you were to think about what's the biggest challenge you're facing right now in your career or in the field, um, and how are you tackling it?
2: And that's for me? Yep, that's for you. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, uh, I'm still learning how to, uh, I don't believe balance is the word, but the ebb and flow of family and work. And so- uh, that is uh, ever challenging.
1: Hmm. Hmm. I think we all are trying to, and I agree. I love how there's so much um, synergy between the two of us because I also say the same thing. People are trying to uh, pursue or chase after balance, and that's actually not a realistic thing. It's finding the harmony in really being able to prioritize what's the most important in particular moments, sometimes moments, sometimes days. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's something many of us are trying to navigate and move through. So we only have about three minutes left and I wanna make sure that people who um, have listened and have been filled And seeds have been planted. Um, How can they follow you? How can they find you? Are are there any particular projects
2: you're working on right now? Well, I like to communicate on LinkedIn as Monique A.J. Smith. Um, If you're interested in reading the story, um, I have a special one just directly, you know, for people listening. You just go to publicfiguremass.com. And uh, you make that purchase, and I'll put it in the mail for you. I'll even sign it. Um, our podcast is chatinthegarden.com and uh, I do have a store, Payhip backslash Seeds of Empowerment. I have magazines of highlighting in athletic administration, mm-hmm. and uh, and so like, that is to try to t- to promote them and their specialized knowledge. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. It is amazing when I have the opportunity to be in the space with a fellow leader who is not selfish about their own journey, but actually has identified ways to create a flip in their own story while lifting others up at the same time. Your soul has encouraged me, Monique, Thank you so much for sharing for being transparent and honest and providing transferable nuggets that literally regardless of your career you absolutely got some nuggets from this conversation so those who are listening thank you for tuning in again to the flip side of adversity conversation i encourage you to also check out our website at livingstrongllc.com for our resources, as well as the opportunity to catch this replay. And you know somebody who needs to hear this. So share the replay and make sure that they get fed. Any closing last thoughts? We've got about 30 seconds, Monique. I
2: have thoroughly enjoyed this interview. This was the best one I've had. Thank you. Oh, Thank you for that. I truly appreciate it. truly, truly.
1: So those who are listening, you have logged into another episode of the flip side of adversity. Remember, same time, same place right here on the flip side, we will connect with you next week. Take care.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Please join your host, Dr. Virdra Jackson, for another edition of our show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.